But there's, you know, the experience, crusty old boomer means like, ah, who cares? After high school and all that, we would all just do like the little fist pump thing because we thought the cats were cool. Sometimes you have to make your own luck. You can't sit around waiting to get lucky. So what, I mean, what was it like working for Santa Claus though? That's what I want to know. Everything always comes back, right? Like bell bottoms became a thing again. Welcome to the Sultans of Slack. I'm Danny. We've got Andy here with us. We're missing Tim and his sultry mountain man voice. We just kind of explained. Um, you're kind of stuck with my weird southern draw a little bit. We are here with Trevor Van Meter. I know him mostly from the Not Fungible Bones NFT project, and I know that's a key trigger word for a lot of people. <laughs> but I think it's cool. He thinks it's cool, and that's really all that matters. Welcome to the Sultans of Slack, Trevor. How you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, if everybody could just uh, hand over your NFTs, they're dead. Uh, we're going to make a big pile, and everybody could just throw their NFTs into the pile, and <laughs> they'll, they'll be uh, slotted to be destroyed because we it's love, over. We yep. love to hear that. We'll um, actually just hide them in our wallets for a couple of years. And there we go. <laughs> I just think it's yeah, so, you know, you see the, was it Rolling Stone came out with the article? A bunch of people came out with articles about 95% of NFTs are zeroed. Well, you know, then you see some awesome tweets about, uh, yeah, but so is 95% of art is terrible and worthless and 95% of the people who make songs never get heard and 95% of, you know, it's like, it's an actually, about that, but yeah, yeah, it's a pretty normal stat actually. <laughs> yeah. Know, 95% 90, of things on TV suck. Yeah. 95% <laughs> of the books in, in Barnes and Nobles you haven't read, you know, it's like, it doesn't. It doesn't, I mean, to point it out, it's like, yeah, so is everything else in life is like that. So, yeah, that's, that's why I always just tell people just do what you like, be around what you like and like what you like. It doesn't matter. You know, um, I enjoy, I enjoy the NFT space. I've met a lot of really, really good people in this space, but, um, I'm, uh, I'm, I want to learn some of what I've heard you touch on in your, your vibe up. Twitter spaces and stuff about some of the other things that you've done as well. So we're not going to just sure. hang out on NFTs all day, but um, you're an artist. Like how long have you been into art? Is it something that you realized later in life that you like, or were you, you know, sketching on the walls of your house as a three-year-old? Um, just get, give us a little background kind of that, that got you to where you're at. For sure. Um, I, I was, I mean, I'm, I think I'm a, like a lot of people out there who, Maybe uh, in particular to artists, it's all I was good at, you know, to, to a certain extent, at least, at least, uh, you know, I was good at other things, but not school. Like I loved where I worked at the Y. I was a camp counselor. I love working with people. I love working with kids. I loved that lifestyle, but it also wasn't something that you could make a career of in my opinion. Right. Um, and uh, <laughs> art was just something that clicked and I think when you're young and somebody says, wow, that's really good. And they've never said anything like that about you in any other capacity. Like you never had a teacher say, you did really good on that spelling bee. Or, you know, it's like, no, <laughs> uh, I think you, I think artists gravitate towards that feedback of, oh, oh, I could be good at something. Right. And then, you know, just uh, in general, anytime I sat down to create, I'd enter that space. 
that headspace where you just disappear and then hours go by. And I think, I think in general, people should respond uh, as, as much as they can to when they're in those moments, whether it's writing poetry, whether it's writing a song, making music, singing, whatever. I think we all have our, I call it our spark. Uh, and you have to honor that spark. So, um, so in school, I was not a great, a great student. Um, I, I would disappear to the art class. I'd always be painting, drawing. Um, more towards like high school, I started really getting into it. And then uh, I went to East Carolina University on probation because I was my, like, I had like a 1-9 and a 820 on the SAT. And they're basically like, yeah, we don't want you, but we'll let you come in. And if you could prove yourself as a student, then you can do art. So I couldn't do any art for the first two years. And then uh, is why it took me five years to finish college because I had to take studio classes and everything like that. So, so I knew early on I was gonna, that art was going to be it for me. Um, and then after school, I went to New York and I was up there for the dot-com boom and bust um, and, and really got into being a digital artist because when I was in school, I was, uh, 100% traditional. I never touched a computer till like the, the very end, you know, I had took a couple classes on illustrator, Photoshop, and I was like, yeah, that sucks. I don't want to do that. And then you know, I went to New York to find a job and was like a dollar away from going home. Uh, and then I was like, I think I better learn some of this digital art, uh, and quick. So I got a job and I was working in, uh, something called Flash. A lot of people don't. Uh, maybe they remember it. Maybe they don't. I remember um, Flash. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah. we're, we're, we're from that but... Flash generation. <laughs> well, you probably pay the. So I came out with a, and I guess these days people call it an indie game, but this was before. It was before YouTube. It was before Twitter. It was before everything. And it was back when if something went viral, you really kind of touched everybody. Because there was there was no way to share other than like through an email, like that was how you shared. Like it's, right. it's very it's very interesting to think how things have evolved incredibly rapidly and changed everything, but we take it for granted. But back then, if something went viral, like you probably received it through email, and I think maybe stumble upon or something like that was just starting to show up. Um, but I made a game called Fly Guy, which was. Um, a, a ball guy at a bus stop. It was black and white pixel and you could fly and you just fly around and experience stuff. And, and there would be short animations and it went bananas. But back then there was no way to capture that audience. There was no way to like, once they, they played it like that was cool. And then they moved on, right? Like there was no, there was no way to capture that. And then on top of it, like I had, I remember that game came out, and I didn't understand fully like servers and server costs. Well, I got a nice bill to remind me that uh, this stuff costs money <laughs> to host mm -hmm. a game that millions of people go to. So that's wild, though. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was cool, but like, and and the only way was it like moment, free ski, kind of like one of those types of games. But, uh, prop, yeah. Or was that what it was uh, called? Have you ever played Snowcraft? Uh, I don't think so. It was a. Uh, I probably have played. You probably have played these games. <laughs> yeah. If you were if you were a kid and you were on like freegames.com mm. or something like that, you've probably played. Oh yeah. I remember I, that website a, for sure. Yeah, I get a lot of emails from people who's like, "You this was my childhood. I'd come and just mm. play uh on play these free games and I love this game." 
Um, but it's just difficult to reconnect with those folks. Um, but, in, but in general, the point is like, I went from a tra very traditional training to becoming a digital artist. Like I, I was experimenting with vector and pixel art way back in like 1999. And then I just never stopped by necessity because that's how I made money was I right. would, I would, it would be very inefficient and very difficult based on the comparison of like doing a traditional piece. Uh, I was big into color pencils. Well, if, the, if a client had a change or something like that, you had to start over like, right. <laughs> right? And uh, when you're digital, it's a lot easier to edit. And I don't know, I just kind of evolved into this digital artist. Um, and, and ultimately I was more of an illustrator animator than artist. Um, but over the past uh, five or six years, I've really been making an effort to uh, focus on, you know, the work that's important to me and the work that, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't necessarily need a client. It just needs an audience to land on and, and hopefully um, move them in some way, small or big. And that's, and that's really ultimately where not fungible bones came from was uh, for, like during the period of, I would say, 20, 2016 to 2021, I would just make shorts. I would just make short animations. Um, and in about 2018, I started making these skeleton animations where, I don't know, I just, I, I'm, I'm a kid, I'm a skate kid. So I come from Pal Peralta, Bones Brigade. Like, oh, sure. It's like, right. It's like I'm heavily influenced by Santa Cruz and Jim Phillips and um, all these wonderful artists that that were just, you know, I got into skating not because I like skating, because I like this, the art on the skate decks and, you know, it's mm -hmm. like in the culture, right? Uh, but I was I was such a poser when I was skating. You know, it's like <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't do flip kicks. I didn't do tricks. I could cruise around. We used it as a mode of transportation over like – um, like dropping in or getting getting slick moves, uh, and we also <laughs> didn't have the resources back then to like. How do I even do a flip kick? Uh, well, if I had YouTube back, I would probably be a pro skater. You know, it's like if I had oh, the yeah. resources to like learn how to do all that stuff. Um, it, it just wasn't in my circle of grass. Like I couldn't, like I, I wasn't, didn't near, live near a skate park. I didn't live near a skate shop. I didn't, you know, I couldn't hang around these guys. It's probably good because I, I didn't turn out to be like, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> a lot of my skate friends had problems. Let's say that. Um, right. so, um, so yeah, so I started the, making these animations for no reason other than to like, just put it like a good vibe out into the universe. Right. Um, and there was no, no made back. Um, I, I would upload them to Giphy so people could use them, uh, for expressing themselves. And they're all somewhat thematic to just sending somebody a vibe. And then in 2019, uh, I, I learned about NFTs and, and, uh, my immediate response is probably the same as everybody's. It was like, well, that's stupid. Like who's, <laughs> why would anybody do this? And then I stopped myself um, because I had a, I, I, at the moment I was like, well, that's something and nothing against my dad, but that's something my dad would say is that knee jerk reaction that makes you resistant to, to technology and change and innovation. 
And I was like, all right, why don't I look into this and at least research, like, what is it? And then I bought some ETH and I was like, okay, now I'm invested. So let me really do some research. And then it, I mean, it just makes sense. Like, I don't care what Rolling Stone says or any of these guys is that my energies as a digital artist, um, how else in the world outside of a service for a client could you sell an animation to somebody, right? How, how would you do that? Uh, e-cards, uh, client work, uh, or short film or feature film and, and do the whole tour. Um, I don't know. To me, for someone like me in particular who uh, had become a digital artist by necessity, it made nothing but perfect sense for me. Mm-hmm. So I packaged up all of the, the bones in, I had to, I basically had all the animations, but they all had to be completely reformatted so that they could become the collection. And I spent a good six months reformatting, building, completing the collection. And then wow. connected with some old friends, Grim and Davey, uh, to get them on the block. And we really looked out at the timing. It was like 2021 in September when we launched and, uh, the rest is history. And here we are, we're, we're still here, still doing stuff. Uh, it's, we ain't fast, but stuff is happening. <laughs> it's, so yeah, yeah. For any, anybody listening to this, I would tell them to go check it out because those short, those short animations you do with all the, with all the skulls and stuff are so, they're so interesting too. Like you can spend a long time just looking at one, I don't know, what is it like a, five second loop maybe, but there's yeah. so much different stuff going on and stuff that they're, they're really fun. I don't think there's another collection out there like it. Um, but I don't think so. Either. Yeah. But, but at the same time, it, from the beginning, we just kind of always have done stuff the way we do it, you know? Um, and, and, you know, in that little backstory, I've skipped quite a few, <laughs> quite a few things, but that's the, that's the cliff note version. I've also, you know, I've done, major work for, for Disney, for Google. Um, I, I've made games, I've made toys. Um, but I would say my deepest connection has been with, with the NFT space and with the bone fam. And you said you weren't good at anything. I'm like afraid you're going to (laughs) take my spot as a host on the podcast. (laughs) You're good at this. (laughs) I I love, I mean, I love talking. I love hosting the vibe up. Um, I love, I love talking. I love in particular, I could go on for days about art and, and the reasons I think that, you know, people connect with, with some of the stuff I do. There's a lot of people out there who hate it. You know, that's what makes it awesome is that you could, you could set a vibe and then just connect and focus on the people who get it. And that's, uh, I don't know. That's, but I, I love talking. Isn't that also kind of flattering though, when people hate it because you're still getting some emotion out of them, right? Like, you're you're getting a reaction. It's kind of like um, I I kind of reference like I grew up watching wrestling with my grandfather, mm-hmm. and he was like, you know, the bad guy is doing his job by making you hate him, right? He's getting the response that he wants, and I mm-hmm. like it. Like you can kind of look at art the same way. It's like even if you've got one person that absolutely loves it and would you know let you do a mural on their wall in their house. If you've got a hundred people that hate it, you still got some emotion out of those people. That's right. That's, I mean, uh, the people pleaser in me wants to know how to fix it. 
Have, I don't know if you ever, did you ever see the Parks and Rec? I don't know if you guys watched that show where Leslie Nopes focuses on that one voter who didn't want to vote for her, right? Like there's, I think a lot of us have that mentality. It's like, well, I could probably fix that person and make them like it, right? Mm -hmm. So the people pleaser in me wants everybody to love it. But there's, you know, the experienced crusty old boomer in me is like, ah, who cares? Let's focus. Let's focus on the people who do get it. And I think, oh. I think the more people do that, the, the better off they'll be. I like the fact that there's so many different styles of the, of the bones. Like there's, there's so much out there that people can relate to. Like I've got a lucky skull, right? It it looks like, you know, the little gold cats, you go into like a Chinese restaurant and it's fist pumping away. Like it's a fortune, fortune cat. Yeah. 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 I had a, I had a, um, inside joke with some friends of mine and like, after high school and all that, we would all just do like the little fist pump thing because we thought the cats were cool. So like there's always <laughs> yeah. something there's something relatable. There's so much out there. And then, you know, you've got the different versions of each one as well. And I, I don't like that one. My lucky skull is on my ledger. Like it's not going anywhere. I it love this thing. In cold storage. I love it. But, you know, the, the, the original um, and again, like a lot of these. It didn't initially appear um, as a skull. It was a pineapple because a lot of my other uh, iconography is a pineapple with an eyeball and in the center. And the the concept was keep an eye on your paradise. So I had um, a lucky pineapple doing that. And the concept was that that sometimes you have to make your own luck. You can't sit around waiting, get lucky. Um, And the idea is that, you know, as as entrenched as our ideas are in, in how things work in this world. Uh, a lot of times, you know, you have to make your own luck. If, if your ship doesn't come in, you got to swim out to it. Uh, I'm, I love uh, trying to like convey these cliche ideas that you've heard a hundred times and present them in a new way. And it's a great way to kind of like, you're like, I know that, but I haven't thought of it this way. You know, that's, that was kind of the mission for a lot of these animations to get people to, to just, I don't know, even if it's for a second, be like, ah, okay. Yeah. Like a little, little, uh, not preachy. I don't like to tell people I have it all figured out or anything, but sharing perspectives that help me continue to push forward is, was the goal for a lot of these animations. What, what was your, like, as you were coming up as an artist, what was like, do you remember what your first like big job project was? Like the one where you go, "Oh, I've made it!" Like what? What was your <laughs> aha? This is this is what I'm doing moment. Uh, I, I mean, I I don't. There's never you never arrive at that. Like I've never allowed myself to arrive and said I made it. Right for for the past since the, about 2007. It was it was even before then actually. It was. Uh, I had, I had worked on something called iGoogle, um, and I loved those projects where you could skin, uh, you could skin your personalized Google, uh, and they just said, "Hey, just make some cool stuff." And uh, it was working through Google, and I think some of the stuff is still available on Gmail. You could skin your Gmail to take on a skin and look different. Um, I was I was an artist on a lot of that alongside of some very <laughs> incredible artists. And I felt at that moment, I was like, all right, this is great. Like I could sit around and just make, they, they just wanted us to make stories 
that uh, could change with either the weather, the time of day, the time of year, things like that. So um, I would say that I, that started. And then si- since 2007, I worked on something um, a lot of people know called, I worked on Santa Tracker, which was, mm-hmm. oh, you, yeah. you, you'd follow Santa. Uh, oh, no way. Was, really? Yeah, oh, That's man. awesome. I did, I did a, I, I worked on Santa Tracker from 2007-ish until uh, just recently, like 20, 2019, 2020. I was always doing stuff for that as well. So, so what... I mean, what was it like working for Santa Claus, though? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Santa, he's a taskmaster, <laughs> man. He's a taskmaster. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> awesome. I've been on that. I don't know why I find that. That's fascinating, but it's I've been on there a lot. Because it's, it's I got kids running around, too. So, yeah, you know. yeah. Well, you know, the, the interesting, you know, one of the things and part of the reason the Hey TVM style kind of took the shape it did, um, which is arguably built on something disposable in terms of its style. Like my goal was to take, because, okay. So the reason for that is, um, the, <laughs> my dog is barking. Um, the reason for that is because everything in my professional work as an illustrator animator was so polished. Everything had to be just perfect, um, or follow a certain style or, you know, uh, vector art in general started all taking the same, I don't know, very similar look like across the board, all illustrators stuff look the same and you can't, it's hard, it's hard to combat that. So the objective for Hey TVM was to take, uh, like a style that's a little bit rough around the edges, um, maybe not perceived as something that's super highly polished, but make it lovable and make it iconic and make it presentable. Um, and that's kind of how I landed on, on what I call, I kind of call it shabby where the, the edges are rough. Um, it's not perfectly polished. Uh, and I think it gets a lot of its character and charm from taking something that a client might consider unacceptable and making and making it something sought after, um, and and that was a that was actually a challenge because because the other thing I was trying to do is get back when I was developing this whole style is get back and fall in love with art again because after you work <laughs> after you work for a decade on something you tend to get jaded beat up you get tired of creating um, so it was my mission to kind of fall back in love with art and not have it feel like work all the time. And the last time I could remember it being that, you know, you get back to like middle school when it didn't matter if it was good. It didn't matter. You were just drawing because right. you loved drawing with your friends and um, you loved just creating. And I don't know, good almost had nothing to do with it. So trying to get back to that place. And even if, even if I was to point at a moment further back, and I've, I've mentioned this before in the Bible, but, you know, Shel Silverstein, you know, I remember as a mm-hmm. kid reading that book, I was like, I don't know what this is, but I want to do that, right? Like, I want to I do that. And it wasn't a career choice. It wasn't, I'm going to be a professional art. It was, that is awesome. And I love looking at it. I love reading it. I, I want to do that, right? And there's, and, and it's just part of becoming an adult is that sometimes, again, through the necessity of paying bills, fulfilling your adult responsibilities, you just get it kind of beaten out of you. 
Yeah. It's interesting. We, when we started this podcast, we kind of, everybody's like, oh yeah, if you're going to do a podcast, you got to start a niche. And I was always like, I don't care. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't care to do that. But we kind of found ours with, with the people that we like to, you know, listen to talk and stuff. And it just happened to be like mostly musicians and mostly artists, but they have, you got, you guys all have the same, like, I guess, core when it comes to these things. So I, I don't know if it was just the way things happen, but we found our niche with, and I feel like artists and like metal musicians are so similar. I don't, that, that's a weird thing to say maybe, but no, no. So no, it, it, it all comes from the same place, right? A core, a core of creativity. Right. We got, and a and and an unapologetic usually outlook on things like I'm going to create what I want to create. Metal musicians are kind of that way, and people are going to like it or it doesn't matter. But I mean, people end up always liking it. It seems, and, but and I think that's where like true authenticity comes from is not worrying so much about whether people like it or not, and then, and then you honor your spark. And it's not an easy thing to do because I can't tell you how many times. I've not released something because I'm like, eh, it's just not there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, can't tell you how many times I've been absolutely floored <laughs> by how wrong I am on things. Where I'm like, this is, I don't like this, but I got to put something out. And it's the thing that everybody loves the most, right? So, so I don't know, like honoring your spark and following, uh, it sounds so cliche, but like following your 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 heart into what you create is incredibly important and it is the reason people connect with it. I will say I'm a little bit envious of musicians. Um, and I think NFTs have kind of like helped with this, but I mean, if you think about your favorite song, um, you can almost get back to that. Uh, somebody referred to it as the magic trick. Like you can't watch a movie again for the first time. Right. Mm-hmm. But with, with music, I think you get a lot closer to that when you hear one of your favorite songs, you haven't heard it for a year and you're like, Oh, I love this song. And then it's like a time warp back to when you first heard it. Like my, I can, every time I hear Rob bass and DJ easy rock. Okay. I, 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 that's that's back. I told you I'm old, but like that, that warps me back to the foggy windows in the cafeteria at my middle school where there was a seventh grade dance. I looked in there. I was like, it was sixth grade. I looked in there. I was like, what the hell is this? That's the best thing that has ever hit my ears that I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. Right. I can get back to that moment with music. I don't think the magic trick is the same with movies. I don't think it's quite the same with art. I think we try to like, every time you see something like, Oh, that's cool. Right. Music. I'm very envious that they're able to get so close back to that moment through, I don't know, I think like through senses, right? You could smell mm-hmm. something, it could take you back. I think music is as close to being able to re- relive a magic trick as you can get. It's like that nostalgia mm-hmm. rush. I have that with, uh, that. Well, of course, it just blanks out on me. Gangster's Paradise Coolio. Yeah. I'm walking yeah. <laughs> every time I hear it because my friend gave me the tape. And it was just the song on one side, and then it was a song without the lyrics on the other side. It was just like a single. But yeah, I was walking around, walking around the playground with that on. Yeah. And I was like in sixth grade, I probably should <laughs> listening to that. But Yeah, that's classic. But I was going to say, though, I lately I've been diving in for whatever reason, just because of the nostalgia factor, I think. But just like looking at old 
logos and like old cartoon logos and like blockbuster and stuff like that from like from like the 90s when I was a kid and I kind of get that same feeling I guess so I guess I kind of do get that because I get this nostalgia rush looking at those types of things and like Power Rangers and these old logos are like the old Utah Jazz logo (laughs) with the with the mountains yeah you know stuff like that so I think art I, I think you guys do it for sure to me anyway but, I would say, so if you think about duration, that's a moment, maybe, a song, yeah, that, a song you live in, that, that's true. that that feeling for two two minutes and 30 seconds, right? You know, so, right, right, that's right. True. So, so maybe the duration and intensity you can feel during a song is greater. So, so but, but, you know, a counterpoint is like, I can't go watch Thundercats and re-experience it the way... I did as a kid because I'm cynical, I'm beat up, uh, and I'm not stupid, right? It's like, like, this is is terrible, right? But, but music doesn't do that. Like, I I don't know. It's just, it's just different. It's just different with music. It makes me envious a little bit, but, but yeah, it's like, I've tried to go back you try to reconnect, you try to watch that stuff. And to me, it's not the same. So the, the way I get, kicks now to to reconnect with those feelings is to to create right and try to recapture it through creating versus sitting around experiencing something that's never going to be the same so i feel like your stuff has that power though like when i look at the rescue rangers logo and stuff like that like it has that staying power in in my mind you know We'll, we'll see. So <laughs> we'll see. Apparently, you know, we'll see if we make it past this dead phase. I think we will. Yeah, I think it is. I think I'm glad you I, called it a phase because I think yeah. it just is that. I I think it the the space is kind of and listen, I, like I've I've had a negative opinion on if this space is coming back or not, and you know sometimes I think it's not, and sometimes I think it it, it is, but everything always comes back, right? Like bell bottoms became a thing again, or, you know, I I just think maybe not the, maybe not the same iteration, but I I think it's, it's going to catch on again in some way, shape or form. And as long as somebody's always creating and always doing something new, you're going to be a part of it for sure. So, so I would say, you know, I was part of the 2000 boom and bust of dot coms. Okay, and I'll, I'll point out a couple of things. First of all, everything was ridiculous. The same way it was with blockchain NFTs is the same thing. Okay, it was absurd. There were parties every Friday, people throwing million dollar parties, um, and they didn't have a product, right? <laughs> they didn't have mm-hmm. anything. They just had investors' money, and it was it was the 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 two things. Uh, NFTs and and I, I lump it. You know, blockchain is a part of this story. Um, and and that time that like they had in common was that like it was based kind of on nothing. And it was who's the best at marketing and who's the best at throwing parties mm-hmm. and who's the best at capturing attention. Um, the thing that I will say is different this time around, in, in particular for blockchain, is that in 2001 the technology was not ready. There was not DSL. There was not broadband. There was not um, any type of open source access to, you know, <laughs> all of the technology it takes to run a proper e-commerce site. 
And that's mm-hmm. what everybody was promising in 2001. The difference now is blockchain already works. AI already works. All this stuff already works. And it had a blow off moment, but it works. And and what ends up winning out long-term will be practical application on how you can make an effect on somebody's life who's a grandma or, or a mother of three. Or like when it starts infiltrating those people's lives, the people who stick around should should make it based on the past. I don't think it'll take a decade like it took for tech and and right. and and web e-commerce. Like if you think about how young Shopify is <laughs> and how long people were waiting for something that, that that would enable them to sell something online. I mean, it didn't really start happening until about 2016, and then it kind of took off. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took that long. It took from it took 16, 15 years before um, people were one trusting to throw their credit card on the internet, and then two people who were selling something had the technology and uh, ability to sell things in an efficient fashion. So right. um, it'll be different this time in the sense that the duration of. It, this all speculates me just assuming, like looking at the past and assuming maybe there's some parallels to draw to the future. I don't think it'll take this long, and I think it'll be accelerated by other factors like our spiraling uh, so <laughs> debt of our nation. So we don't have to go into all that, but I'm trying. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that'll accelerate people to blockchain in a way oh, yeah. that we don't see. I think the parallels are, are pretty... Striking. Yeah. And I think, like you said, you can't deny the technology and what it provides um, humans and where we're at today. You can't deny any of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, the tech's not going to go anywhere. It's going to be used, even if it's on the back end of stuff and people don't even know they're using it. Everyone's going to be using it one day. And I've thought that for a while, but... My favorite videos are people in like El Salvador or Puerto Rico or uh, wherever. They're just doing blockchain transactions on like lightning and they're buying sandals for a couple of sats. And it really, I've the, never the, even the, seen that. That's oh cool. man, it's amazing. It's like, there's no bank involved. There's no, <laughs> there's no third party risk. You just send lightning over lightning. You can make an immediate transaction with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, which is absolutely, I don't, again, like people don't understand the gravity of that, but is lightning another blockchain. Is that what you're talking it, about? It's on not? Bitcoin, Bitcoin. It's, it's, it's on a, Bitcoin. It's okay. a second layer to Bitcoin. Um, okay. And I, <laughs> to me, this is what the, the most kind of upsetting thing about people writing off of this technology is that um, it's an exponential technology. It, it checks, it checks all the boxes in, in the sense that what, what people don't see is that Bitcoin, Ethereum, blockchain in general, and I know everybody has Bitcoin only or blockchain is all shit coins or whatever, but the technology is important because if you think over the past hundred years, our financial system hasn't innovated at all. <laughs> if you watch, yeah. if, if you watch any of, uh, was it Jack Mahler, he calls them boomer bucks. He's like the the Visa, MasterCard, Discover, all of that stuff was invented in like the 60s and hasn't changed at all because they haven't had to, all right? 
the the thing to think about for blockchain in terms of finances that's incredible is that it <laughs> the traditional financial system is sticks and stones and blockchain is a freaking nuclear tactical missile <laughs> okay right and and they 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 will try to stop it because they want to be in the middle because they can control it charge fees all that. so uh so there's there's a bigger there's much there's some things that are <laughs> at stake here that are much bigger than art and music and all that however i love more than anything that art and music and communities are like leading the way into the like the mm-hmm. next revolution uh which is uh, whether we like it or not, financial in nature is why they go after everything because they want to stop. They want to. They want to remain in the past decade. <laughs> we're so, not, so, I'm, sorry, so, I'm, I'm sorry to no, steer in that direction. But no, no, no. That's fine. That's to think about. It, it is important to think about, and everybody knows kind of the the PFP side of it. You know, your board apes and all that, and maybe that's what um, is relatable to like the the dot com thing that you were talking about is, you know, board apes are, you know, a status symbol. Like I've got a board ape or Justin Bieber's got one or Snoop Dogg's got one. But then on the backside of it, you've got like what Avenged is doing where they're kind of redoing ticketing and, you know, kind of working with Ticketmaster to to make it easier for people that are buying tickets to not get scalped by people and things like that. And as those things innovate and all that and infiltrate a day-to-day life of somebody, you know, that's definitely the future of it. And it'll, it'll it'll be, it'll be more mainstream because of um, people and projects and bands like that and artists that continually create. Um, It's, it's just real interesting to think about. And I just don't think a lot of people out there want to spend the time to really learn the technology on that side of it. Like I tell people all the time, like I think eventually within the next couple of years, your driver's license is going to be on blockchain or your insurance cards or, you know, whatever, you know, that's, that's when people didn't like the internet at one point and now they have to use it. Well, people don't necessarily like blockchain right now or understand it, but it's just going to be a part of their lives. At some point. I still remember when people were, skeptical about using their credit card online i remember that and oh, now yeah. now it's ridiculous to think that you wouldn't use your credit card online I mean, that's look at look at apple pay look how easy that is like, oh, yeah. I, i'll buy stuff with apple pay i'm like okay that's that's too easy like there you need to leave me some room to change my mind right like but apple mm-hmm. pay is like Whoop, you bought that i'm like wait wait i wasn't sure maybe i should have done <laughs> right um so so i think it'll affect and i think um I think more people need to start caring about this stuff and start doing the research because if it's rolled out in the wrong way by the wrong people, uh, they will, (laughs) will not be good. Right. Don't, don't let the government do it first. (laughs) uh, I heard the best, the absolute best quote the other day. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't know who said it. Um, but it's like, if you left the government in charge of the Sahara desert, they'd find a way to run out of sand. <laughs> right? like, so, that's, it's, it's, that's perfect. Yeah. I love it. I was, I was like, yep. Uh, brilliant. Um, we, again, we don't have to talk about all that, but yeah. I, I, I think, I think it's important. Um, and this is why I think NFTs aren't really going anywhere 
Because in, in the first time in history, we had the internet where you could exchange information, which was mm. what the internet was um, freely. Uh, and now I can exchange value, whether it's in the form of cryptocurrency, which I think is actually a pretty terrible name because it, there's too many hangups. But it's a way to exchange value, whether it's in currency that's our coins or value in joining a community in me sending an NFT or you purchasing an NFT um, and you having essentially the receipt for this. So I don't know if you've watched, there's a documentary called the, the last Leonardo about Salvador Mundi, the, the globe where he's holding, okay, he's holding the globe, this glass globe. And it, it was widely disputed that that was actually a Leonardo piece, but it sold for 450 million bucks. Uh, and, they're still not sure, right? And I think mm. it's pretty freaking awesome that these NFTs are tracked from the moment they're born until mm -hmm. the current moment, whether it's been transferred, whether it's been sold, whether they paid royalties, whether, you know, whatever it is, you, it's got a heritage uh, record, um, which as far as I'm concerned, has never happened in art. Like they've, they try, but there's ways to forge, there's ways to fool people. There's a lot of great documentaries out there about, mm. uh, uh, you know, forgeries and art um, and how a lot of people profit off of that. So I don't know. I think there's a lot of implications there that we don't fully understand as well. I've been looking at some of your physical items on your store and to relate it back back to a um, something that we've already talked about. When are you going to put some cool, non-fungible bones art on the bottom of a skateboard? I don't see that on your store <laughs> anywhere. Uh, I can, I, hold on. It's not on the store. Hold on a second. Is it? I don't see it. I haven't seen it yet. Is there one on there? Accessories? I don't. I may have misspoken, but I, I haven't seen it. He left for a second. I th um, for the people listening, he... We can see him on video, and he just left us an empty chair for a minute. I'm, I'm assuming you went to grab uh, something to show us. That would be dope. That <laughs> relates to what Danny's talking about. Maybe, maybe whatever he shows us will be our little intro vid. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what? Dead air. I know that Welcome make back for good podcasts. There you go. So these oh, are uh, so okay. Is that a pizza dragon. A pizza dragon. Oh, they washed away. away. Yeah, I that's love really true. I, I have them. You know, part of the issue right now is I'm not the one. You know, I had a store in downtown Wilmington. I had a whole store storefront um, filled with apparel, filled with skateboards, mugs, stickers, patches, everything. And 2020 just like kicked the wind out of me. And then there's just a number of things <laughs> that that turned up that made it just too all my time was spent running a store versus making the stuff to put in the store uh so i had to kind of wrap that up and rethink how things work <laughs> so right now some i have somebody else doing fulfillment for my store and we're keeping it super simple at the moment um so because yeah uh, merchandise is hard <laughs> it's really hard and it's uh, unless you're doing volume, it's not that profitable. 
<laughs> to put it to put it to put it uh and it's away, yeah and that that sounded kind of like you hesitated to to say that it's not that profitable but you know if you're an artist that's how you make a living so throw that out there like we if if you like the art buy the art but and, that, and that's where i fail as a salesperson because i i would rather <laughs> you know when we were running our toy company for example, I could tell there are people who are buying our toys that should have been doing something else with that money. Mm-hmm. They should have been um, because, and it's why I always say, please collect responsibly for everybody in the Bone Fam because because you can be passionate about something and have it put you in a bad spot. And as a as an artist um, and as a person, I'd rather you pay your <laughs> credit card or, you know, it's like, I don't mm. know. It's, uh, sometimes, uh, my biggest beef with merchandise and sale and stuff like that is that you're always trying to sell something to somebody regardless of the conditions. <laughs> so that's why sometimes I'm just not a very good salesperson. Um, but I mean, there are realities of life that you have to fulfill your adult responsibilities and pay your bills too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but at the same time, it's just a fatal flaw for me is that, uh, I don't know. I don't want to always be shilling something. I don't want to always be selling something. It just sucks the life out of things sometimes. I've never put a death bet on a credit card, by the way. Just, Good, smart. Just, just want to get that out there. Good. Yeah. Well, there's there's people. In case who my do. girlfriend's listening to this. <laughs> never done that. Listen, I've, had this, I've had discussions in the discourse. Like my wife told me I couldn't buy any more NFTs, so I went and got some cash and I paid somebody. I drove two states over. I'm like, what are you doing? Stop! You need nice, to listen dude. to your wife and make sure that that the, whatever this is is not being it's not becoming something that is going to put your life at jeopardy talking about all these things people need to be a little more responsible too because i remember one time i was working for like a rental place we rented like tvs and beds what the Mm -hmm. hell beds Mm -hmm. washing machines i was just a driver i'd deliver this stuff but every once in a while they'd need help like on the sales floor so i'd go out and i would straight up be like don't buy anything here (laughs) dude dude, don't buy anything here like you're gonna pay three times Yeah. Don't rent anything. Go to like save up for a month or two and then go buy it somewhere else or yeah. whatever you need to do. But and then people would be like, Oh, I appreciate how honest you are. And I'm like, Boom. I'm just uh, by the way, and then they're like, fired. they're like, We're gonna buy a TV from you. And I'm like, No, no, <laughs> don't, don't buy it here. And they're like, No, but we love you. I'm like, God damn it. Yeah, I don't get a commission. Don't, don't do it. To pull everything back to an artist is that most artists I know, for example, are not good sales people full, like full stop. Like, and, and, and yeah. I think, I think part of it is that you're already unsure um, if it's good, you're already unsure if people like it. And then that insecurity also, <laughs> it, it translates to like, well, I don't know if I should try to sell it. Right. Um, and I, th- I think that's where, um, I don't know. I, I think that's where a lot of people kind of fail is that they, they don't believe in what they're making. And if you don't mm-hmm. believe in it, nobody shit, nobody else is going to believe in it. There's no way. So, so I don't know. I think it's something that, that all of us as artists struggle with. Um, I deeply believe in everything I create, but then there's just still this kind of, yeah, but I don't want to inconvenience people. <laughs> I don't want to inconvenience you. I don't want to bother you with my art. 
you know <laughs> so uh no like- your stuff is awesome though like i feel like it just needs to be seen and people and that's, I, anyway that's, that's that's how i feel about all the stuff i've seen that you've done is i'm like well i appreciate it but it seems you know we're back to who's the best at marketing you know a lot of yeah. people who are succeeding in this space are are not necessarily experts at not that you need to be an expert i'm not that's not what i'm arguing for it's like they're probably way better at marketing than they are at art or making a genuine connection possibly so and I, and, I, and it's not it's not me trying to like put anybody down like that, that's that's the other thing look so so other thing i would say about this space um i'm kind of happy to some extent that there's a some kind of fallout because i not a biggest fan of this space and a lot of the things, people and behaviors that are in it. So if the thing that happens is NFTs are dead and then it gets rebuilt on a foundation of people who care enough to stay and aren't just here to moon and all the other culture that's essentially, it's, it's so bizarre because it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been what it was without that, uh, ideology of I just want to make money, it wouldn't have been anything, right? But I think what might end up happening is that, the, it, and a, a lot of people have said this, is that it, it'll weed out the people who weren't here for the right reasons. Exactly. And then the people who stick around um, and the people who kind of stick it out and, and continue uh, to, to be here will be the ones you want to take notice of. Um, and, and of course, like I'm saying that from a point of self-interest, but I'm also saying it because I believe, yeah, sure. you know, I believe that that's the way things are and that's the way things, um, that's, that's the, that's some of your favorite celebrities probably had to do exactly the same thing. Like, I don't know if you watched the Tony Hawk, uh, documentary. I loved it so much mm-hmm. because that dude was dead broke. Skating was disgusting like nobody ah skating's dumb and yep. he stuck with it because he had no choice because he loved it. it was all he did and then uh x games out of nowhere dropped right like they, nobody mm-hmm. really saw it coming and then he got a video you know it's like i don't know i think there's there's big rewards on the other side for people who stick stick with a thing for the right reasons i mean i did I, I wanted to moon a little bit, but I'll get over <laughs> it. <laughs> right. It's, it'll be more lasting if you have a foundation of the work that it takes to make it a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. To, to me, that's, that's probably the deeper truth is that if it moons and you're not ready, which ultimately I think to some degree is what happened to me in 2021 is that I had so much going on that certain things just collapsed on themselves because even you need a strong foundation to, to grow into what it can be. Mm. And if you don't have that and you're not equipped to fill those voids, it will collapse. Okay. So there's very good things that come from tried and true work, consistency, like all these things that I should probably be doing on like Twitter and stuff like that. Uh, those things come back. So you guys showing up every week and doing it is that's, I mean, to me, that's it because you're learning so much just by showing up. So. 
from people like you, uh, by the way. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, For reals, yeah. I don't focus. And that's, again, like bringing things back to Bones, a lot of the perspective of the Bones were Bones for a reason. Is It's a, sto- a stoic perspective that we all walk around like we've got a thousand years to live and we don't. You do not. And if you're not using this time to leave your mark, whatever it is that you want to do on this life, it, it slips through your fingers so freaking fast. And as you hit 40, guys, it goes 10 times faster. Every year, I'm like, what happened to this year? It's gone. So that is one of, that's one of the other biggest reminders from Bones is that uh, we, we celebrate this idea that everything is fleeting, okay? And you must get to work making this life what, it, what you want it to be, no matter what the obstacles are. Because what is the point of being here otherwise, right? Unless you're trying to affect it in some way. Is it to survive? Yeah, to some extent, we all have to survive. But is that it? Man, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Like, I think, I think most of us want to make some kind of impression. We want to make a difference in people's lives. And even if it's, it's something as minor as having somebody chuckle or blow hard out of their nose, <laughs> like, if I could get that response out of anybody, I feel <laughs> like, like you don't forget when somebody does that for you. It's, right. it's the same with music. It's the same with comedians. It's the same with great movies. These things affect your life. And I think that is what my goal is. And I think a lot of people have the same goals. They want their lives to freaking mean something while they're here. So that's what, that, I think that's the other, the other big part of Bones is like, why, why skeletons? Well, it's not because I'm a gothic... <laughs> Uh, uh, gothic <laughs> metalhead. I'm sorry. That's not where I'm coming from. It's more that we're all going to die, get it through your head, and get to work. Mm-hmm. Ch- remain chill until, but we're chill, but not chilling. Okay? You've got to get to work. You can't, be, you can't be chilling all the time, but you can be chill while you're making something great. That's right. I told you earlier that you were pretty good at this, and I'm <laughs> going to say it now. I, I think those words wrap this conversation up better than I could, but way better than I could do. Perfect. I love it. Well, we just want to give you, again, a, a huge thanks, and everybody keep your eye out in the show notes for all of the ways that you can connect with Hey TVM. Thanks, Trevor. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We love you very much. Goodbye.